Our scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke in the ninth chapter, starting on verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his, of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we are here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, but he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then the voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voices spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks in this morning and I uh, put my spirit Entrusted my spirit in yours. Use me as your instrument, that everything I'm just about to say come from you and be for your glory and the edification of your church. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, standard, standard disclaimer. I'm not a liturgical kind of guy that we need to preach every single thing of the, of, on the liturgical calendar. I just, the transfiguration uh, passage comes way before Lent. I just thought that uh, I really like this passage, and I think it takes a lot about, says a lot about humanity and our darkness, so I thought that it's a pretty appropriate for us to do in Lent. So with that disclaimer, I should go on. So chapter 9 in Luke is very interesting. To begin with, it's very long. It's 62 verses long. And uh, so we start the chapters seeing that the uh, disciples have been commissioned and have given granted power to uh, heal people, to uh, cast, down, cast out demons, and to preach the good news. And uh, Jesus sends them two by two out into the world to, to, uh, to do this, 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 uh, this work. Then as they come back, they are coming glorifying God and say, Man, we have done some, some wonderful things in your name. We heal people. We preach the good news. We cast out demons. Man, this is a good time. Yay. And then uh, as they are talking, there's a crowd coming in. They know where they are, and they are start to, thousands of people start to surround them. And then Jesus has compassion on them and start to heal them, casting out demons and preaching the good news. And then the disciples say, hey, you know, uh, Jesus is kind of late. We need, to, uh, we need to let them to go because, you know, they need, we're in the wilderness, and they need to find something to eat. And Jesus said, no worry about it. Just bring what you have and let us bless it. So he blessed uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he feeds, they feed over 5,000 people. And I say over 5,000 because the scripture says that 5,000 men. So we can assume that there were women and children with them. So there's this feast. And then right after that, Jesus asked them, who, who people say that I am? And said, well, some Elijah, some Moses. And he said, who do you think I am? And Peter declares, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the chosen one, the sent one from God. 
and everything is, seems to be great, right? Honky dory, and this is spiral ascent, and the disciples are getting it. Yay! But then after that, it starts to come, go south for the disciples. So the transfiguration happens, and we're going to come back to it, of course. But right after the transfiguration, there is uh, they healing people, and this man comes and says, Jesus, please heal my boy, because your disciples can't. And this is what Jesus tells, tells the, the disciples. You faithless and crooked generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? And he heals the boy. The next one, Jesus, the next passage is Jesus tells the disciples, you know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And they were like, okay, what is going on? And they were afraid and disconcerted and what is, what is happening? Then the next passage is, uh, they start arguing, the disciples start arguing, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom to come? Am I going to be the prime minister and you get to be like the, you know, the uh, secretary of interior or something like that? And, and they start to argue. And Jesus said, bring the child. Whoever wants to be the first needs to be like this child. Be the last, basically. And then after that, Jesus is determined to go to Jerusalem, and he sends an envoy to villages around Samaria that he's coming. And because he's going to Jerusalem, they don't want anything to, see with, to do with Jesus. So the disciples, full of righteous indignation, they said, Master, should we call fire down in heaven to consume them? And Jesus tells, the, the scripture says, spoke sternly to them, saying, no, no, no. And I think that sternly to them, I think it's censorship, you know. I think that he tells them, you people, kind of thing. But, you know, I, I want to see what, what, what Jesus said to them. And then the, the whole chapter ends reminding everybody, the reader, but also the disciples, that if you want to follow Jesus, you cannot have a hand in the plow and look back. If you are, you have to hold the plow and keep going. He said, let the, bury, let the dead bury the dead. You cannot go back and say goodbye to your family. Just get the plow and keep, keep on going. So what happens then in the, in the transfiguration story? What is it that turns everything around, that everything is good and suddenly goes bad? And I think the trans transfiguration uncovers, it shows, if you will, the true colors of the disciples, uncovers what is going on inside of them. And I think it covers also our own uh, biases. And before I move into it, I prepare a sermon. Um, a sermon. Uh, yeah, I prepare a sermon. Huh? I prepare a video uh, for you all. And it is kind of what I imagine happened. So it's kind of dangerous to go into my mind to see what happened. So this, this, is, this is what I came up with.
this is why I think it happened, right? This is on my mind anyway. So, okay, so, so this wonderful thing is happening, and they are doing some other thing. And Elaine talked last week about it, that when we have this experience with God, we try just to say, do something, even though we don't know what's going on. But the first thing that, that I want to point here about the disciples and about us is when we are in front of the extraordinary, so many times it becomes ordinary. Let me explain. So the disciples, at least in chapter 9, they have seen that they have received the power themselves, that they can you know, heal people, that they can preach the word, they can cast out demons, they see Jesus do the same thing, they see uh, Jesus feeding the, the masses, 5,000 people, basically the new manna of heaven has come, it is Jesus and he's feeding everybody, and they see this wonderful thing, and then they take him, uh, Jesus takes these, these disciples to pray, and when he, he's praying and he's being transformed, they say that he's, they are overcome, and they barely can wake, can wake. So they're like, oh, Jesus, here we go again. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know? So how many times, how many times of us, of us when we come on Sunday mornings, we expect that Jesus is going to transfigurate and is going to transform us? How many times do we come with that expectation that something amazing is going to happen? Or we come and say, oh, here we go again. Oh, there's Carlos again. Oh, man. Judy played the wrong note. Oh, boy. Jay and Elaine. Goodness gracious. Nothing happens. Right? And let, let me tell you this story uh, that kind of, I, I think illustrates this. So I, I, I'm a missionary from the General Board of Global Ministries. And because of that, I have had the chance to go to New York City in, in a number of occasions. And one occasion, Wendy, my wife, went to meet me there. And we spent a couple of days after my training and I needed to do their business. And we did, you know, the New York, City, New York City stuff. And one of those was for us to kind of maybe go to a show, you know, those late night shows. And at the time was Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. And there's a picture of Seth Meyers. And we couldn't get to Jimmy Fallon because they were, you know, sold out. Uh, they, they're free, but they give them away and nobody wants to give them away once you have them. So Seth Meyers was like, you know, the only option. So we needed to be in a 30 Rock, next picture, uh, early in the morning, around 7 or earlier, 7, it was very chilly, and we were there, you know, waiting, and then the person was giving the, the tickets, and we got the tickets, and the person said, you need to come around 10 for the first cut, so we will know more or less how many people we need. So we went for breakfast nearby, and we just hang out around, and we came back, and uh, I said, okay, you guys, these people, this, to, this number to this number get to the next round, so to speak. You, need, you guys need to come back at 1. So by, that, by now it's 11.30 or something. So we go eat in a, you know, in a cart outside in New York City in a street food. And uh, we, you know, hang around a little bit longer. We come back to 30 Rock and I said, okay, you guys make it the next cut. So there's this amount of, we think that you guys will make it probably. So you need to come back at 3. So we just stay around in 3 Rock. We just walk around NBC, you know, gift shop. And we didn't buy anything. You know, it's very expensive and everything. But anyway, so we went to the Lego store. And, uh, and, and finally, around, so you need to come back around 5 or be around 5 here, not, not far. So we were there at 5. And 
they got us into, you know, the studio, well, almost the studios, like I saw the picture, they, I mean, the, the, the or, and I hear the band rehearsing, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it is not for just creating the momentum of the sermon, but literally the person who was before me, it was the cut. So they turned to me and went in and said, sorry guys, you know, next time you're in New York City, come on, see us. <laughs> so I turned to Wendy and I said, wasn't that amazing? And Wendy said, yeah, it was a good day. And we, all we did was waiting. It's all we did all day long. We're just waiting around. But my point is that you are, you know, when you are looking forward to something, it doesn't matter if it happened or not, or even if it's just a buzz like we did. It was just we are so excited about it that we just bring it, basically. So in the same way, do we bring it every Sunday? Are we excited? Are we looking forward on Sunday and saying, man, no matter... Who preaches no matter if they make a mistake in the band or, you know, they, you know, Carlos sings, I know God is there and God is talking to me and something extraordinary is going to happen. So that's the first one. And the second one is that Peter, Peter, Peter said to, to Jesus, so, I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, the thing, they are talking, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses are talking, and I can imagine Peter like, uh, I'm glad that we're here. And interrupting the conversation. That's just very awkward. I just think it is a very awkward thing. Anyway, so the next thing is the, the response from Peter. And, uh, you know, he said, we should, um, it's great that we are here, and we should build three shrines or tents or booths, whatever you, translation you want to use. And, uh, but then the scripture says, but he didn't know what he was talking about. And I think that that it talks also with the sleeping and the extraordinary thing that, that somehow we are not connected with God, right? The disciples have lost it in a way. Or again, we're, we're so used to see it that they just disconnect with God. Next picture. So I'm reading, or I have read this book called The Future of the Mind. And it is a whole research on development, on study of the brain, and uh, the te technological advances that this is happening. And bunch of stuff. It's by Michio Kaku, and uh, it's very interesting. Anyway, uh, on chapter 9, uh, the scientists posed a question about Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was a, a French person, a French teenager, who rallied the troops and defended the French soil against the English, and they, they, because of her, they beat the English. But then uh, he was burned at the stake for heretic because he was listening voices. So, ha! Ironic, right? Anyway, uh, so they, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, disciples, huh? the scientists start to think, is there such thing as people can connect with God in, or, or can we connect with God in a certain way? So, or the transcendent power or something. So they created the God helmet and uh, they basically stimulate some parts of the brain and that, that creates that either creates or reminds you of a transcendent experience that you have, you have had with God. So they put on test uh, two sets of people, uh, 10 nuns and 10 atheists. The, the 10 nuns rem, uh, remembered and experienced once again past uh, transcendent and mystical experience that they have with, with God. The uh, atheists also felt the power of the transcendent. And they, they all reported that they felt something beyond that they couldn't explain. They couldn't come to faith, but they felt it. 
And then they ask, what does this mean? They ask each group. And I want to tell you what the, the nuns said. One of, one of the nuns said, says, I think this is proof that we are wired to connect with God. And even she used, I think we have a Wi-Fi in our brains that connects to God. And using that metaphor or using a telephone line or a radio frequency, whatever metaphor you want to use, I think that the nun is right. I think that, and this proves too, that, that we are wired, that we are made to connect with God in one way or another. But what happens when our Wi-Fi is connected to a different network? That's what happened to Peter, I think. So he's connected to some to other network because he's asleep first and then see, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to do something and I have to build these tents. And then the word for tent in Greek is skene, which is the same word that is used in the Old Testament for the tabernacle where God resided. So the question is that I raise is, is Jesus, I mean, is Peter, does Peter want to kind of capture Elijah and Moses like a ghostbuster, you know, like having him in a, you know, in his trap and having Jesus' glory and then paraded it around for his own benefit? And I think that the rest of the uh, chapter points to that because the next, the next, the very next thing that Jesus tells them is, you crooked generation, you faithless. And then they are arguing about who's going to be the, the first in the kingdom to come. So they are, like in that, that Wi-Fi that was connected at the beginning of the uh, chapter, healing people and preaching the news, now is turning and twisted to its own benefit. What can I gain for myself? So I think that that is what transfiguration of that transfiguration story is not so much of what Jesus is happening because it's a wonderful thing. Jesus is now the continuation of the uh, prophets and the law, and now in Jesus is the, the new thing that God is saying, this is my son. It's a wonderful thing, but I think that beyond that is what happened to us disciples. The one we are asleep, that we take for God for granted, that the extraordinary thing becomes ordinary, and that then... We are out of tune with God and are, we are not connected to the right network and we start to see God as an object and as something that for my benefit. So I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus so that see how wonderful I am. Oh man, that Carlos, man, he's so good. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm going to join that group so that they can see that, oh man, how wonderful he or she is. But also we can use other things in history. We have used that in, I have heard it not long ago. Uh, we use, in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, using the Bible, discriminate people. Right? I, I, as, as I said, I have heard not long ago people telling me that the mark of Cain is, uh, that is why we have black people. So therefore, uh, we should treat them differently. We discriminate women because women should be quiet. The Bible says so. We get righteous indignation, right? We should bring them, fire them nation against uh, gay people. And I think that I'm not here to judge. I think that Jesus is turning to us and said, hey, what are you doing? Sternly talking to us. What is going on? 
You're supposed to be loving. You're supposed to be healing people. You're supposed to be preaching the good news. You're supposed to be attuned with me, not judging. I do the judging. So church, in Lent, I pray and I hope that each time that you have a moment with God, either in your home, you come on Sundays, you're praying in your car, you're reading the scripture, whatever it is, I pray that remember that it is an extraordinary thing. And if you come with that presupposition, something extraordinary is going to happen. God is going to speak to you if you are open to it. Don't take for granted. Don't come on Sunday and say, well, let's see what happens. But come and say, man, this is a wonderful day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Because it's an extraordinary thing being in the presence of God. And secondly, I pray that our Wi-Fi be always connected to the right network. All right? That we always connect to God. And if we are not, if we are connected to our ego, we're connected to greed, if we're connected to something else, let us disconnect, reroute, and connect back to God. And I pray that during this Lenten season, we can do this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.